editor-in-chief of Oak the Nordic Journal. Welcome to the Nordic Traces podcast, which is featuring chefs Rosio Sanchez and Camila Sadler, who are both in the new issue of Oak, which is dedicated to Nordic innovators who are breaking new ground. Oak's writer, Eva Helbeck-Tram, recently interviewed them for this podcast. Eva, can you tell us a bit about Rosio and Camila, please, and introduce us to their work? Sure, I'd love to do that, Karen. Um, I spoke with these two incredibly inspiring chefs at the Botanical Gardens here in Copenhagen earlier this year, where Camilla was visiting a hometown from La Paz in Bolivia, where she's the head chef at Gusto, which is a restaurant there. It's both a gourmet restaurant and also a culinary school. She's won several prizes and awards. Most recently, she won the World's 50 Best Restaurants Award for Latin America's Best Female Chef. And Rocio is a Mexican-American. She's originally from Chicago, but she's been living in Copenhagen since... 2010, when she started working for René Rizzepi at Noma. Today, she runs two highly popular taco stands, or taquerias, named Hija de Sanchez. And she just opened a more formal Mexican restaurant named Sanchez, also here in Copenhagen. I began the interview by asking them what comes to their minds when I say the words fine dining. I think I'm getting a little tired of it. I think it's beautiful, and I think it's... uh it's incredibly inspiring to see how far can you actually take something. But I also think that the, like the general feeling that also among cooks and you know, we we even get tired of of, of the whole thing. You know, we just want to have some tacos or something after work. You know, um, so I think more and more restaurants are starting to to apply that philosophy to their kind of their bistro sister restaurant of their fine dining and I mean it's never gonna die but it's definitely going in a more relaxed direction I think mm. and also uh, you're welcome to interrupt if you okay. feel like you have something to contribute <laughs> I mean I agree with it I think it's um, it's a lot of fun to go and eat in a fine dining restaurant depends on the restaurant right um, I still get excited if I if I want to go to a place like that that does it well mm. um but if you've done it for a long time, also on the other end, you're like, I don't want to do this forever because it is really demanding. And um, yeah, maybe something, you just want to create something that's much more straightforward, you yeah. know, and easy and, and uh, for everyone. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's, that's been a different sort of reward as a, speaking as a cook, you know, to be able to kind of feed all these other types of people that otherwise you wouldn't be able to feed. Um, and making them happy. That's a whole different challenge. Um, but I still get excited about both. Um, but I do think that fine dining is actually, like she said, going a little bit, uh, I agree with what you're saying, going a little bit... Not like a dying breed, but it's... It's not dying, you know. but I think it's just changing. Yeah. And it's still like, there's fine dining restaurants, but they're suddenly casual mm. in a way. Mm. You know, and... Um, you see it popping up a lot of casual restaurants, but you go in and you're like, this is still high quality food. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's there, the whole point. It doesn't need to be less quality just because there's not silverware everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, this is... And that's very exciting because mm. it's kind of blending together into this thing. And um, if people can do it well, it's just go to a nice restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So how about street food? 
in general. I love street food. <laughs> no, but if you can connect it a little bit to fine dining, maybe do you, do you see street food also like into the fine dining kitchens? I mean, in Bolivia we used it a lot because I think street food is what represents kind of the soul of every country. You know, that's where you go. In Denmark it's a little complicated, you know, you can't do that much with a hot dog, but even that, <laughs> people started to do gourmet hot dogs and stuff like that. So I think it's a, it's a, Instead of like making a museum out of food and interpreting classic dishes and stuff, I think street food is a good way to to capture flavors that are super interesting and that represents a country or a place or a city or whatever. Instead of you know all the grandmother dishes, uh, now we're gonna deconstruct the whole thing and make them again. Street food is a little more fun that way because it's more simple. Yeah, and I think depending on the where you are, mm -hmm. like like you're saying, it it can influence a fine dining restaurant. Mm. There's uh, fine dining restaurants, quote unquote, let's say in Mexico, they have tacos yeah, yeah, on certainly. the menu. Um, so of course there's an influence and every country is going to vary. And um, it, it is interesting to see what is the, the go-to food of the masses, exactly. right? And that's the street food. And then of course, fine dining restaurants want to kind of have a connection to where they are. Sometimes there's a, a look at street food. Sometimes not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it works, yeah. <laughs> like the tacos. <laughs> in it also the more street food a country has, I think it's much easier to see the influence in a fine dining restaurant because that's what people eat. That's what actually I was saying. Oof, doing a fine dining in Mexico must be complicated because you have so much really, really good street food. So you're like, why the hell would I pay, you know, that much for? But of course, it's something completely different. But it's it's difficult to fight the street food culture with a fine dining in a restaurant. I think. Yeah. So what do you think when I say uh, New Nordic? What comes to your mind? New Nordic? For me, <laughs> it for me, I think of... Um, just the term feels so dated. <laughs> I don't know. I, I cut the, When I hear the word, I feel like the same way that people think about when they think about... Um, what was the word? Ah... <sighs> I, I used to do it all the time. This is what I used to work in. Ah, uh, I don't know. It's just not coming to my mind. Uh, molecular gastronomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think about when you think of like molecular gastronomy. Where you're like, I'm, like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no. Like you don't want to go there or like. It was very fun, but it's also kind of, you feel it's dated. If you see someone doing something along those lines, you're like, well, that's kind of old, right? Using the when word. I see that, it's just a word. It's just a word. It's exactly. just a word when you say it. I think it's more of the actual word to describe what's happening or has happened or... Um, I've talked a lot about it going around talking about what we're doing in Bolivia. It's it's the new Nordic movement. I'm like, let's just scratch new because it's not new anymore. And it's it's, it's a, a Nordic term. movement, but it's, it's a... I think it's more of a thing that you can see it everywhere right now. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, it's the same philosophy applied, which is very... We should be very proud of that. Yeah, I think it's um, amazing. Um, I think there should be a new word for it. Exactly. <laughs> because, like you're saying, it's applying to so many places. Mm. And it's a beautiful way to kind of approach cooking, right? In exactly. that you're trying to kind of be aware of everything and, and um, using everything that, that, that you should be using or if you're not using it, uh, trying to figure out how to do it and um, in that way, like having a more diverse uh, 
pantry, mm. which is um, yeah. There needs to be a new word for it. I mean, there's there's definitely influences in um, all over the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and also like what with you guys. I mean, we're playing the same. So it's it's the new Bolivian movement, or is it the new? You know, it's maybe Nordic should be scratched and find something else. I agree. It's, a, it's, like it's, a it's more like a philosophy. Yeah. Mm. And what does the philosophy cover? I mean, respect, um, like you're saying, diversity, uh, pickling, you know, the whole getting, you know, applying the whole that you have very few things in a very short time. Uh, that doesn't apply all over the world. In Bolivia, you can get mangoes nine months out of the year, but we still pickle them to get that philosophy or that mindset into the students or the or the cook's head that they should, you know, take advantage when the season is is right and uh, I think respect from farm to table we have a I mean the 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 life for a farmer in Denmark is very different from a farmer in, in Bolivia and Nepal and wherever in the world but I think it can be applied everywhere if you start respecting like the whole line everything from education to producers to to actually also the guest that sits down and and enjoys the meal but also with that it's it's really nice to like you're saying applying uh, techniques Hmm. Pickling, drying, whatnot, and in a new way, kind of cooking, right? You're cooking for in a different way, hmm. preserving and um, thinking about the future, and it also creates different sort of flavors with the same product. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah, yeah it's it's a mindset of of a place on Earth where we have very short uh, periods of of fresh produce. You know, back in the days, not anymore. Now we have Holland, but you know, uh, and I think applying that is what makes it ten times more interesting. But what I heard you saying was also that it doesn't only have to do with food, but perhaps also with like. Politics. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a whole thing. I mean, everything from maternity leave to uh, you know to daycare. I think we can put it into the Nordic movement. It's it's about uh, respect, pretty much. For mm. me, that that's like the word that covers most what I what I think about when I think Nordic movement even mm. though I don't think that word so much mm. <laughs> um, I think it's respect all, all the way around Do you see influences from the Nordic movement also in Mexico? Yeah, a little bit, yeah I mean, I do see um, people trying to I mean, in Mexico also there's a lot of ingredients mm -hmm. like crazy you go to their market and um you're always going to find something new. So, but in that sense, um, a lot of the chefs there still need to kind of figure out that they have all this st cool stuff, mm -hmm. not just the best avocados, not just all the tomatoes and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, just from my recent trip, there's there's so many things that I've shown to, we've, we showed to other chefs and they don't, have no idea what it is. Mm -hmm. But it's in the market, you know, they pass by it every day. Um, I've been to the market, we pass by things and it's like, what is that? And they're like, oh, I don't know, I've never seen it before. <laughs> or, I don't know, it's this or that. Or um, There's that thought that you kind of need to be more aware of everything that's happening. Everything around you, um, like you're saying, beyond the food as well, it affects it. Mm. Things that don't necessarily have to do with the food, but are affecting it, like the quality of the employee's life and um, things like that. So what do you think of the, the Danish food culture? I think it's complicated because it's very much divided in people who like to eat traditional food and they're kind of trapped in this whole 
Tuesdays meatballs, Wednesdays, you know, it's, it's, I think there's a lot of people who eat very boring food in Denmark still, mm. even though we have this whole beautiful uh, awareness campaign going on. And, <laughs> but I also think that compared to 10 or 15 years ago, people eat much more organic much more you know it's it's almost become like in the church you know they go down organic down to the supermarket because <laughs> that's kind of what they saw on tv so i think still we need a little bit of you know it's organic the way forward if now we can get transgenic transgenically modified uh, organic seeds no then we just killed organic you know it's we need we need people to be a little bit more aware of what is actually happening also um stop pushing the price on everything instead of maybe eating meat twice a week instead of six times a week then buy a real piece of meat where you can actually you know taste it mm. right now we insist on eating meat every day but it doesn't taste of anything because we wanted 10,000 steaks for 100 pounds mm. um, my opinion on food culture in, in here, here I'm still trying to figure it out because as um, you know I worked at Noma for so many years for five years and that is a completely different thing that no one should compare that to anything because this way of working is different um yeah i mean it's different there because you know there's there's uh it's sold out all the time you know and there's always guests there and uh you have a set menu and all these things and people have a a, a very strong idea of what it is they're gonna go to eat you know anoma or that they're gonna be pushed or whatever but um, then it's then I open a taqueria here, and it's like I, in my opinion, I wanted to open up a taqueria that felt like a taqueria. Yeah. What does that mean? Okay, it's like a little stand. You're gonna be there, and you eat, and you maybe there's some benches. Tolhan was the first place to open, and that was my my really gut feeling of like that's gonna be cool taqueria. But then it's like winter comes, and people are not gonna be outside. Okay, that's fine. Or people um, need cutlery mm. with their tacos. Mm. All these things that I had never, ever, ever thought about was going to be a problem. <laughs> Just never <laughs> thought about. Like the, well, because I didn't think about it, you know. <laughs> and the food culture is, in my opinion, from my experience, is that people need to sit down and eat, right? Mm. They're not going to stand up. They need to sit down, have a place, and do all this. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I can see that we're we're ways away of from having um, we're on our way, but we're still a little far away from being a place that has like street food mm. and has uh, a different sort of culture like that and has ethnic foods because um, it's it's like the states were in the seventies or eighties, you know, mm. for Mexican food. The same thing, you know, that people need to be introduced into it. So I'm still kind of struggling to figure out how to do that with my concept because if I were to open a Danish restaurant then I, I would already know that I need to have these tables it's like a cantina or this and that and um, but I'm just trying to figure out from my perspective what that food culture is and if people are willing to budge a bit that's what I was gonna say like how much should you compromise on your concept for Danish people to understand it or is it the Danish people who and should you know, try and, and compromise? And it's also, you know? you know, here's your tacos. Oh, can I have the cutlery? And oh, no, you don't actually tacos, you just eat with your hands, you do it like this and that. Mm. 
okay, that's cool. Can I have the cutlery still? And it's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Why would I say no? I, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> no. How how horrible would that be? It's like, no, you can't have that. That's how you eat it. Like, who am I to say to force that on someone? I mean, I'm I'm not really. I don't even know anything about Indian food at the moment. Mm-hmm. If I were to go into it, I would probably make a lot of yeah, mistakes. Exactly. That, I was just in Pakistan, and they're like, "No, you can't mix that on there." No, sorry. No. You know, you know, and it's and it's <laughs> you cannot. I can't put myself on this high pedestal. Like, oh, can't believe they don't know how to. Like, that's yeah. I think so, the food culture here, because like you're saying, people just kind of go to the same thing. Mm. It's still in the process. I think people are still very interested. And and we're in a, in a way to get in a, to be a little bit more diverse, but uh, it's still it's still struggling. At least in for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm, think also a Danish person looking up a taco place is somebody who's either traveled or you know they kind of know it's it's, it's fashionable right now or it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And and people who actually know it's just like oh thank God it's comfort food you know. But yeah. people who have this daily lasagna meatball routine they don't I don't think when they go out for dinner finally they don't step that much over. yeah they they would go for like but then it's a inter- comfortable steak it's interesting but, what you uh, said because you said it's the trend right now mm. but if you're in the states or I grew up in the states of course and or Mexico it's not a trend no exactly it's a normal you thing. go eat I'm gonna go eat these tacos because mm. they're I want to go eat a sandwich exactly. whatever it's the same thing yeah but here it's like it's it's like a, you know, we it's need like to, they're going on vacation. Begging, it needs uh, to it needs to kind of get over this bump of it being a trend. Yeah. And then there's the ramen trend, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's gonna be whatever else is next, Asian food maybe or like Thai food. I mean, there is a little bit of that, but there's gonna be then another trend. Yeah. Quote unquote. Until then, there's just restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but of course, there's there's a beginning. Like I said, mm-hmm. in the states. Mexican food only recently is getting up there even they're still kind of struggling to kind of be respected on that fine dining level or upper casual level Mm. also because they made their own edition of it you know yeah like the burrito the thing the fajita all the the Texas their versions their versions there's still a big problem there in the states and I think it's just we're not in Mexico (laughs) so Tacos are, of course, not like the everyday. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense, just like open-faced sandwiches are not. No, exactly. Sought after in Mexico. <laughs> it's not. That is, pro- you know. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. Well, they're called different things. Exactly. <laughs> they're Venezuelan tortilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's fun, and I think it's it's. I love being a part of that, as I, I imagine you love being a part of it on your end, mm. because you're trying to get something going yeah exactly you know something that's not common and And that's exciting and of course it's frustrating sometimes but you're like you know what no someone needs to do it yeah exactly Exactly. but uh, Camila did you experience something uh, similar when you came to Bolivia as uh, Rocio told that uh, people wanted tacos with their cutlery I mean we we don't or they don't use it no (laughs) no exactly it's easier people eat a lot a lot of street food with their hands um no, I think it, it was more about, for me, it was more about the products between social levels in, in society. They were like, I'm not eating this, this is for poor people. Oh, really? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like what? 
you know, like papalisa, like the yuko, uh, different potatoes, um, beetroot, for example, um, different things, dishes that we put together, and they're like, mm -mm, I'm not eating this. And if you don't have whiskey and coca I'm getting out of here. Well, there's the door, thank you. You know? Um, People said that? Yeah, yeah, so it was pretty extreme in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, my reply was like, I'm not from here, I don't know what poor and rich people eat. And then they would get super upset, <laughs> like, come on, you're being super racist and, you know, <laughs> and classicistic and it's horrible. Um, but I think that was more like the issues in, in like, product-wise. But then, so you're standing firm, like, okay, I'm a new hood. Yeah, we use it. Yeah. And now, how are people... Sorry, now they're accepting it. <laughs> now they're no, accepting now they're it. accepting it and now they're coming back and, like, I, I compared very much with Noma in the beginning it. and they were, like these weird sealed penis people and I think we have the same thing like what oh and then there's still people like oh, am I, I gonna pay that I supported you from the beginning and you're like no you didn't or, <laughs> or are you, am I gonna pay that amount to eat eggs exactly exactly you know and um, yeah yeah pretty much I know what this costs per kilo yes but you don't know the 36 hours of work that went into making it like this so but I mean I think it's normal everywhere that it's the first like fine dining restaurant in the whole country and it's still a development country and people are like how how dare you put an expensive really? restaurant here and there's four people and like like four people Porsches just be... pass by in the street. What are you talking <laughs> about? You know, like it's I think it's uh, it's the same mentality all over the world. Well it's like the same in Mexico. There are there's a huge class difference. Mm. But the truth is that there are people that can afford that. Yeah. yeah and they're looking for it. Mm. Exactly. And it should be available. Mm. How about uh, family? I say family. You're both quite far away from your family, and I know you both have a pretty strong connection with your family, right? Mm. I'm sleeping on my mom's couch right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I stay home when I go home. Yeah. <laughs> when I mean, you go I to Mexico? Them Chicago. Uh, oh, yeah, Chicago. I miss them a lot, but I also think that it's it's a natural part of life at some point separating uh, from your family. But how long have you been away? Um, about five years. Oh. So, but I mean, that's what Skype and WhatsApp and FaceTime and everything else is for. And I mean, my brother just did my my website, and we try to keep it in the family as much as we can. But I mean. I don't know. I, I I don't. When I see them, I love it, and but it's not something that I like. You know, destroy myself over when I'm not. Close to them. Yeah, I think it's it's part of growing up. And I always try to go home once or twice a year. Mm. Ever since I moved here. Yeah. So um, either that's in the winter or the summer holiday. Um, this past year, I haven't done it at all. <laughs> at all, like. And I told the guys it's not happening right now until December. But everybody's super supportive, and like you're saying, it's it's just natural and um, text every day. But I am here alone. Um, but my focus is has always been my work since I started mm. in my career. Yeah. But is it something you really miss being so far away from where you came from? I mean, I would love to start a family, my own family, but um, it doesn't have to be here. I mean, it could be anywhere, I think. Mm. I'm pretty versatile. <laughs> mm. I adapt easily. Um, 
I mean, I, I when I come back home, I miss that it's very organized, but then at the same time, that's kind of what I'm also annoyed about when I'm, you know, when I leave, that everything has to be perfect and people get pissed over small things that are completely meaningless if you see it in a big perspective. Such as, oh my god, the bus is two minutes late, I can't believe it's always two minutes late. Like, it's two minutes late, there are people dying in the world, there's war, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and I think one of the biggest, like, gift Bolivia gave me in this whole experience is that, you know, you kind of see life as a, in a very different perspective. Um, people are super poor and have horrible, you know, living conditions in many places in the world. and. And here we're super privileged, but we like to complain. That's just who we are. Mm. Uh, and I think you get dragged into that uh, as soon as you kind of get back in the routine and back in that life. So that's something I would I would try and fight if if and when I come back. It's kind of the whole. Oh my God, it's horrible weather. I know it's horrible. Weather. I can't believe it. it's gonna be horrible tomorrow too. You know, <laughs> dude. <laughs> just you know, put on some rubber boots and enjoy it. Mm. But yeah. That's for me the like missing the most is is that. If I were to miss anything, and I always kind of think about this, is how convenient everything is in the states. Any the last place I lived in was in New York, and anything you want at any time, you can find it. Mm. I need to buy some aspirin at two in the morning, or you know, or it's just very easy. And uh, any to get any food you want, anything, it's just fully accessible. When I first moved here, uh, it's like Sunday, everything's, oh, everything's closed. Like, what the fuck? Like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do here? Like, and then it quickly kind of forced me to kind of take that Sunday and chill out, which I love. So I love all these things about it. I love that it's kind of forces me to structure my life a certain way. Um, but I do miss a lot of things in the States. I do miss um, that people are, I feel are more open just to anything, just because of all the history and all the immigrants and everything like that. It's just, people are, I don't know, I guess, open. Mm 